I was praying about this, this message, and, and uh, as I was praying, the Lord just gave me this deposit, and, and, and I just kept hearing this in my spirit. What a mess. What a message. What a mess. What a message. And God says, I'm the God of the turnaround. Hallelujah. So today's message is all about how God can take a life full of mess, and I know you can't identify with that. There's nobody in here got any mess in your life. Everything's perfect, right? Everything is just like it should be, right? Don't be no liar in the house now. You know, we all have our mess, but let me tell you what, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and all of that brings mess, brings mess, but our God is the God of the turnaround, and he can take the mess and he can make it one of the most amazing messages for your life and for others around. We live in a, li- a world that's full of hurt, full of pain, full of uh, soft suffering, full of loss. Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy, and there is definitely a sign of that. We live in a world that has a real mess. There's more than 210 million orphans in the world that we know of. Over 22,000 children die daily due to poverty. The United States spends over $200 billion a year on our correctional system. Something is truly broken. We have a mess. Did you know this day and age that 10 times more girls are now self, self, uh, sex trafficked, uh, trafficked, uh, trafficked in, in rather than 10 times the amount of the slaves that were ever brought here to the New World? As horrific as that was, think about that multiplied by 10 of what's going on even today. 80% of the world's population lives on less than $10 a day. Eight out of 10 people alive today live on less than $10 a day. And I know you college students says that counts me too. I understand. 805 million people go hungry every day and 98% of them live in underdeveloped countries. More than 20 million Americans, 12 years old and older, battle substance abuse. Over 20 million. There's 1.2 million abortions performed in the United States every year. That's over 3,300, some say as many as 4,000 babies are killed every day here in America, just in America, over 4,000 babies. That is the Twin Towers coming down multiplied. That's Pearl Harbor multiplied every day, every day. And, uh, and, and it's happening in our own country. What a mess. And then when we look around us and we see the sickness and the debt and the sadness and the addictions and the losses, you sometimes, if you're not careful and you get your eyes off of Jesus, you wonder, is there any hope for mankind? With all of these tra- uh, tragedies and all of this traversing, all of this going on, is there really any hope for mankind? But I'm here to remind you today, yes, there is hope. And we find our hope right here in the Word of God. We cannot veer from the Word of God. For the Word of God is our plumb line. The Word of God is truth. The Word of God is the rock that we build our lives upon. That when the storms try to come and bring a mess of our life, the God of turnaround can turn it around and it becomes a message for others. I remember at 17 years old how the mess of my life 
I grew up under uh, addictions and substance abuse and, and all that comes with that and physical abuse and mental abuse and verbal abuse and, and poverty and all the things that come with that and the fear and all that comes uh, with the destruction of, of, of a developing young guy. And uh, the enemy got me to the place uh, where I didn't believe there was any hope. And when I lost hope, the devil says, all you need to do is kill yourself and it's all over. And I attempted to do that, but had it not been for the right hand of God to save my life, I'm here to tell you today, I can testify, God took my mess and He turned it into a message. And God is no respecter of persons and He wants to do the same for you today. So if you come in here with any mess in your life and you come here, that doesn't disqualify you, that qualifies you. Because if God's going to take and make a message out of it, you've got to give Him some mess. He said it this way, cast all your burdens on me, for I care for you. So whatever you're heavy laden with, whatever you're burdened with, whatever messes that the enemy has caused in your life, let's turn it over to our God because he's able. I said he's able to turn it around. We see that in the scripture where Jesus took 12 peasants, uh, fishermen and tax collectors and farmers and sons of thunder or truly troublemakers, you could say, and, and doubters and liars and, and cowards. And these were some messed up folks. And he turned their message into, uh, their mess into a message that has caused such a positive turnaround to where one out of three people on planet Earth today, 2,000 years later, they identify themselves as Christian. Now, that doesn't mean they've got a personal relationship with Christ. I'm not saying that, but they identify themselves as Christian. That is over 2.4 billion people. Yes, that's B with a billion, billion people. And they say in the next 30 years at the trajectory, it shall be over 3 billion people who identify themselves as Christ. How did that come from 12 messed up men? How in the world did that mess turn into a message that here 2,000 plus years later has impacted a third? of humanity that is living today. How did it happen? Well, the answer is the resurrection. The answer is the resurrection. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, had there not been a resurrection, there would be lighting of candle in memorial of a good man named Jesus. They could have even called him Saint Jesus and, and, and lit their candles and said he lived a good life. He gave us a good story. He lived and he gave us good morals to follow. But I'm here to tell you, unlike any other man or woman who lived before him, he came out of his tomb on the third day just like he said he would and he left it empty. You said Lazarus came out, but Lazarus went back to his. Some years later, Jesus Christ has left his tomb empty and he lives forevermore. See, no one carries on the message unto death of a dead man or a defeated man or a limited man or a failure. No, but when one has been beaten like Jesus was and when one had been whipped with a cat of nine tails like Jesus was and one had been crucified and stabbed and declared dead and buried in a tomb, but yet on the third day, just like He said, He comes forth alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. When that happens, then men who had a messed up life now find the turnaround power of God to give a message through their life that will impact the generations even unto us this day. Today we celebrate our risen Savior Jesus. Today we have the message of hope. Today we have the Holy Scripture because these 12 messed up men had their lives turn around because of the resurrection power they experienced in and through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let's read the story together. Matthew 28, 
verse 1, it starts, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week. Here we are today on the first day of the week. Why are we celebrating on Sunday? Well, all because of this. On the first day of the week, begun to dawn, the Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell His disciples that He is risen from the dead. Yes, He is risen. Yes, He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Wow. No one has ever done that since, uh, before or since. He is risen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. Changed everything. I love it in Mark's account when he said the women were on their way to the tomb with the spices. They were going to anoint a dead body for burial. They were going to preserve it as they would uh, mummify the bodies with their oils and their spices. Uh, so they were not expecting the tomb to be empty. Actually, they had this discussion among themselves. You know, we've got the spice, but we don't have the strength that we need to roll the stone away. How are we even going to get into the body? They put a stone there. They've sealed it with a Roman seal. They've got guards there. How are we going to get in to do what we came to do? It doesn't say they said this, but probably this was maybe part of the conversation. Where are the men? Where are the men? We need Peter. Boy, he's supposed to be the bold one. Where's John? Where's James? Where's Matthew? Where are they at? that we need somebody to roll the stone away. So they're there uh, uh, wondering how they're going to get rid of the problem of a sealed tomb by rolling the stone away. But we find out when they got there, what they were worried about had already been taken care of. There's a message for you here this morning. There's things you've been worried about. God says, I've already taken care of it. There's some stones that needed to be rolled away in your life. He said, I've already taken care of it. I don't need you to come and to uh, memorialize me as a dead God. I am your living God. I did what I said I was going to do, and I'll do now what I promised to do. I want to roll your stone away. You cast your burdens on me, and I'll carry them. I will, my anointing will break the yoke off of you and lift the burden off of you. The very thing you came to church discussing. Oh my goodness, how are we going to take care of this? How are we going to pay the bills this week? How are we going to take care of this? How am I going to live with this doctor's report that says I'm, I'm debilitating, I'm not going to make it? Let me tell you what. He says, what you're talking about, I've already taken care of it. I've already taken care of it. Hallelujah. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. I mean, because of his resurrection, it split our calendar from B.C. to A.D. Now, every time a person writes today's date, they're declaring that he came, he lived, he died, and on the third day, he rose again. Hallelujah. Had the tomb been uh, still filled... Uh, I'm here to tell you his birth wouldn't have changed anything. But because he backed up what he said through his birth and his life and his death, then his resurrection, it changes everything. That means every atheist who says there is no God, when they write April 21 to 19, or 2019, or whatever the date they write down, they're declaring that the tomb is empty. They're declaring the power of the resurrection. They're declaring that Jesus came to take our mess and turn it into a message. Hallelujah. Even unto this day. 
It is the salvation of mankind. The resurrection offers salvation. The resurrection of Jesus offers freedom from every addiction. You said, I've been addicted and I don't find that there's any hope that man can give me. I give you the hope of the Lord. There's a power of God that can move into your situation and call the chains to fall off of you supernaturally and miraculously. You can be delivered from whatever the devil has brought on you. Jesus came to get the curse off of you and get the blessing on you. Put your hope in Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. But not a memorialized good Jesus, but a resurrected Jesus who has all power. The keys of death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. The resurrection offers freedom from every addiction. It offers us hope in every situation. It offers us the power to overcome every attack of the enemy. Yes, the devil's going to come against you, but the power of God in you is greater than the power of the devil coming against you, and you can rise up victorious in Jesus' name because of the resurrection. You don't have to be a victim anymore. He won the victory, and now there's victory in Jesus. There's victory in you. You need to learn to sing that song again. There's victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. He takes our mess and he turns it into a great message. No other event has impacted the world so much as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What we're celebrating here right now has impacted mankind, has done more pain, caused more pain and more hardship against the forces of darkness and the demons of hell than any other event known to mankind. Now think about it. Jesus never wrote a book that we know about. And yet there are more books written about him as the subject personality than, it, than any other personality known to mankind. We never see where Jesus composed a song. We have no record of that. But there's more music written about Jesus Christ than any other subject bar none in all of history. Jesus never drew a picture that we know of. We never uh, sculpted a sculpture that we know of. But more art has been made about Jesus than any other subject in history. Now, if you study the Scripture, you'll find that Jesus never traveled over 100 miles from the place that He was born. And yet, you can find followers of Jesus in every city, in every town, in every village, in every tribe, around the world, thousands and thousands of miles. Jesus is our answer. Hallelujah! <laughs> and the reason Christianity has spread is because it's really good news. No, it's not just good news, it's great news. Hallelujah. And we need to learn to share the great news. comes from that old English word, gospel, meaning good news. Let me tell you what, you can talk to anyone, no matter what negative they share with you, you can share them the positive of what Jesus has brought to their situation. If they say, I'm sick, you can tell them Jesus is their healer. If they say they're poor, you can say Jesus is your provider. If they say they're lonely, Jesus will never leave you or never forsake you. He will be with you until the end of the age. If they say, I'm in bondage, you can say Jesus is the one that will bring freedom to you. If they say, I have sadness, you can say the joy of the Lord can be your strength. Whatever it is, Jesus is the answer. And He's your answer today. And I'm not talking about a religious Jesus. And I'm not talking about an Easter Sunday once a year Jesus. I'm talking about a resurrected Christ who is alive and wants to live in and through your life today. And take your mess and turn it into a message. He's a turnaround God. Hallelujah. See, Christianity is the message of Jesus. His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection. 
His ascension, His intercession, and His coming again. He's coming again. But until then, He's given us the deposit of His Spirit. We have the Spirit of God living in us. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, that latter part of the verse, He said, first part, He said, Satan comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. He said, but I want you to know why I came. This is why I came. This is why I came. I was born. This is why I came and I lived a sinless life. This is why I came to shed sinless blood. This is why I came to hang on an old, cruel, rugged cross. This is why I came to be placed in the tomb. This is why I came to be raised on the third day. The reason I came was to give you, to give you, each of us, abundant life. Abundant life, zoe, a life of wholeness, a life healed, a life strengthened, a life fulfilled, a life blessed, a life, and not just it, but it in abundance. Oh, today would you tap into the abundant life that Jesus Christ became. If we don't live with that abundant life, it's almost as though we're looking at John 10 and 10 telling Jesus, that's what you came for but you wasted it on me. You wasted coming for me. You wasted being crucified for me. You wasted coming out of that tomb on the third day for me because I'm not going to receive your abundant life. Oh, today I would say, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Make Him the Lord and Savior of your life. Give Him your all. Serve Him. Surrender to Him. Say, today I'm going to live for Jesus. He came for me to live for me. I'm going to live for Him. Hallelujah. Let Him take your mess and turn it into a message. A lot of folks say, you know, I got to get cleaned up and I got to get this fixed, got to get that fixed before I come to God. That's backwards. That's backwards. Come on now. Because he, he's the one that specializes in taking a mess and turn it into a message. Come to him as you are. Come to him in your brokenness. Come to him not knowing all the answers because he is the answer. Hallelujah. So we see the 12 disciples there. They had a life that was full of mess. They had a life that, that God was able to take through the resurrection power and witness that they had and turn it into a message that has impacted a third of humanity that lives today, including us here. But there was another uh, disciple that came in as an apostle later on, and we see the same thing happened in his life. Now, his name was uh, Saul of Tarsus, and he was really, he really had a life that was a mess. He didn't realize it as a Pharisee and as one self-righteous. He saw himself, everything was right, but everything was wrong. He didn't see Jesus Christ to be the Savior. He didn't see Jesus Christ to be the true uh, Son of God, the Messiah. And he was acting with the same spirit we see through that ISIS group where they would kill Christians, behead them, burn them alive, and drown them if they would not recount Christ. We see that in our current days uh, in some years here past. But even back then, that same spirit was there. And they're stoning to death this, uh, uh, this evangelist, Stephen. And as he's being stoned to death, Paul is, or Saul is standing there. Uh, he's the one giving the orders and overseeing this. He, he has that, that, that brutal uh, religious evil spirit. You ever met anybody who had a religious spirit? A religious spirit is an evil spirit. Some of the meanest people I ever met were mean in the name of religion, okay? And, uh, and, and he, his life was a mess. 
But we know on that uh, way to uh, Damascus as he had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. The resurrected Jesus had an impact on his life so much that he says, I'm going to turn and I'm going to live for you and I'm going to surrender. And God says, this is going to be such a different change. Your mess is going to be turned into a message. We need to give you a new name. So from now on, I'm going to call you Paul. So Paul goes forward and, and, and he's the one that brings us so much of the New Testament and he's the one that tells us from a prison cell he gets locked up for preaching the good news now. He's on the opposite side. He is the one that uh, you might would say has turned his back on the, the evil life that he thought was right, and now he's going to live for God no matter what the cost. I pray somebody today would turn your back on the life that you've been living, and you would turn your life to Christ and say, I'm going to live for Christ, and I'm going to serve Christ no matter what the sacrifice, no matter what the cost is, I'm going to live for Jesus. And here he is now, we find in the book of uh, Philippians, he is in prison because he's been preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they told him to silence himself and they told him to stop coming to their neighborhood with this message, but he could not stop. For he says, my mess was turned into a message and I got to live this life for Jesus. And we find that as we read the, the, this book, this letter that he wrote, he wrote it from a jail cell. And it has more references to joy than any other book in the Bible. And it's written from a man who was in prison for preaching the gospel, who had been beaten and whipped and stripped and shamed and chained and stalked and mocked and, and locked up. But it's just full of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say again, rejoice. It's just so full of joy. And why is this? It's because Paul learned firsthand that God is an expert at turning a mess into a message. He was so moved by how God took his own life and turned his mess into such an amazing message that he made the commitment that I'm throwing away everything, anything that's going to hinder me. I'm not going to hold on to anything but Jesus Christ. I want to find myself in Christ. I want to find my message in Christ. I want to find the history of my life recorded that I live my life in Christ. I'll put everything else away. And that's why when you were to ask Paul, why did you not count all of your credentials and all of your credits and all of your things that you had to had going for you? Why didn't you hold on to that? He says, because all of that didn't matter when it came to Christ. He says in Philippians 3 and 8, he says, yes, all things that I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. He actually calls it dog dung. Man, that's being pretty graphic. I pray today you would see that the things you've been holding on to and the issues you've been holding on to and I am right, you've been holding on to or I'm going to get my way, you've been holding on to or whatever it is that you've counted as righteousness unto yourself that you would see today that it really is doing nothing but hurting you. It's holding you back from that intimate relationship with your resurrected Jesus Christ and that you would see it insignificant and it just worth like dog dung. He said, I've dumped it all in the trash. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could, one, embrace Christ and, two, be embraced by Him. What's between you and Jesus today? What is standing between you and, 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 and keeping you from the embrace of Christ? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. On this Resurrection Sunday, say it's time that some things die and there's time for some new things to live. 
The old has got to get passed away and I've got to become that new in Christ Jesus. There are things that are standing between me. There's pride that is causing me, uh, a distance between me and Christ. There are things that my mindset that is keeping me between me and Christ. There is my way of living that doesn't line up with the Word of God that's keeping me from the embrace of Christ. No! I count it all dog dung. It is so important. I dump it in the trash. It doesn't matter. I'm letting that person go. I'm forgiving that person. I'm changing this about my life. I'm turning my mind to Christ. I want to embrace Christ. And I want to be embraced by Him. And then he goes on in verse 10 and he says, I gave up all that inferior stuff so that I could know Christ personally. I could experience His resurrection power. I could be a partner in His suffering and go all the way with Him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted, I wanted to get in on it, Paul says. So here's four things I want us to look at real quickly that Paul says, I'm giving it all up. I'm giving it all up. It's inferior stuff. I'm giving it up so I can have these four things. And the first thing he says, so that I can know Christ personally. I can know Him personally. See, it's a difference knowing about Christ and knowing Him personally. And today we don't want to be a people that just know about Christ. That's not going to do you any good. you got to know Him personally. It's a personal relationship. That's how God set it up. That's how God set it up. Just tagging on Christian, just tagging on Christ does not make things right in your life. The mess continues to be messy. But let me tell you what, if you want a supernatural message to come out of the mess of your life and you to see the turnaround that God provides for you, you've got to know Him personally. You've got to, oh, He says it this way in Revelation. He said, I stand at your heart's door and I knock. And anyone who will open his heart and invite me in, I'll come in and sup with him. We'll fellowship. Jesus says, I want to have a personal relationship. I want to have a personal conversation with you. I want to have a personal time with you. Paul says, I'm giving everything up. It doesn't matter what it is. It's inferior. It doesn't matter at all. It's got to go so that I can know him personally. I wonder today, is there something that is keeping you from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you willing to do what the Apostle Paul and the disciples and millions and billions of Christians since have done in saying, I surrender all. That means I get rid of anything, anything. It doesn't matter if it's a cultural thing that I was taught. This is just a culture the way it is. If it's wrong, it's wrong. I'm getting rid of everything that is standing between me and my God. Paul says, I must know him personally. I'm giving it up. Secondly, that I can experience the power of his resurrection. Unless you know Christ Jesus personally, you're not going to experience the power of his resurrection. There's power. There's power. There's supernatural power available to you right now. Power to take your mess and turn it into a message. Power to turn around whatever is going wrong in your life and turn it for good. That power is available, but it's only available through that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul says, i got to get this thing right. Anything standing between me and God, i got to get rid of it so that I can make sure I've got the personal relationship. And from that, I can experience the power of the resurrection. The saddest thing is to sit on the outside looking and seeing the power of God bless others. The power of God raise others up. The power of God heal others. The power of God bring joy unspeakable and full of glory in people's lives and the joy of the Lord become their strength. You see in all this stuff, all this stuff, it can almost make you resentful. Let me tell you what's what the devil would want. And it's like, why does everybody else get it but I don't? Let me tell you what, God is no respecter of persons. 
And he's saying to you and me today, and through the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm giving you the instruction. You've got to get rid of anything. You've got to get rid of everything that would stand between you and that personal relationship and that total surrender to Jesus Christ. And then in that relationship, you can experience the resurrection power. Let me tell you what, the resurrection power took care of everything. So that means it will, it will take care of anything that you're dealing with. But if the sp same Spirit that was raised Jesus Christ from the dead, Romans 8 and 11, if that same Spirit dwells in you, he says, if that same Spirit dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. There's that Zoe, life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And he says mortal bodies, meaning you don't have to wait to get to heaven. You don't have to wait to get to heaven. You can experience the supernatural manifest of the resurrection power of Christ today in this mortal body. You can see the power of God raise you up. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Paul says in order to make sure the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, i got to get rid of some stuff. i got to deal with some stuff. Somebody, you came in here with mess. And let me tell you what, you got to lay it on the altar tonight, today. you got to lay it on the altar. you got to get that mess on the altar so God can then take it and turn it into a message. And you can experience the, the resurrection power of God. Then Paul goes on to say, also, I want to give it all up so I can be a partner in his suffering. Now, what in the world does he mean by that, to be a partner in his suffering, that third point? That third point is literally not saying that we partner with him in this sense that we do the same thing he did because he did what we couldn't do. He did what we couldn't do so we could have what he desired for us or that which we couldn't have on our own. We needed someone. We needed someone to rescue us. So in this partnership, we see in Deuteronomy 28 and 48, one of them, this is just one example of a divine exchange. That's the partnership. He needs somebody. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to take all this mess and I'm going to supernaturally turn it into a message, but i got to put it on someone so that the world can see my goodness through them. I need somebody to partner with. I need an oak of righteousness, a planting of the Lord that I can display my splendor on. I need somebody I can display my glory on. I can display my favor on. That's God's plan. He, he wanted to do it through mankind. So he's called for this divine exchange where he says, let's say this, this curse of poverty that came when Adam and Eve sinned and the land that was received sin caused a curse to come on. One of the curses was a curse of poverty. And, and, and in Deuteronomy 28 and 48, it describes that curse of poverty. You'll be hungry, you'll be thirsty, you'll be naked and in one of all things. So that was one of the curses. But let me tell you what, Jesus came to, for this divine exchange and Paul is talking about that so I can partner in his suffering. What did he, what did he turn around through his suffering? He doesn't want us to suffer because if we could have suffered and made it right, then he wouldn't have come, right? So he came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves so we could have what we could have never had without him. Everlasting life, abundant life, blessings, healing, deliverance, and all the favor that he wants to display on his uh, oaks of righteousness that he has planted. 
So here we see Jesus is hungry. He's not eaten since Passover. Uh, the, the Bible doesn't say there's been anything to eat. It's been a very, very hard and arduous time. And now we find that he's actually now hanging on the cross. And the Bible says that he speaks from the cross and says, I thirst. We wonder, some people say, well, why would he say that? You know, but, but we know why, because he's, he's setting up the divine exchange. And then the Bible tells us the soldiers are, are gambling for his clothes as he hangs there naked and shame. Why does the Bible give us those details that he's hanging there naked and his clothes are being uh, 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 gambled for? It's because of this divine exchange. And then when they, the Bible tells us when they took him off the cross, he, he had nothing. So they had to lay him in a borrowed tomb. He didn't even have a hole in the ground to be buried in. Why? Because he would be in want of all things, the Scripture says. That, that was the divine exchange. Now, why did he do that? He did it. Galatians 3 and 13 right there tells you in 14, he redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham may come on us, even the Gentiles. He's doing, he needs somebody to partner so that while he's on that cross and he's there to take the curse off of us, he needs somebody to partner with that he can get the blessing on. And anybody and everybody will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and make him that personal relationship with him and get rid of everything that would hinder your intimacy with him. You today have this blessing. This partnership of the divine exchange takes the curse off of you, which now takes your mess in into a whole different category so that the blessing can come on you. Now your mess becomes a great message of redemption and hope and healing and deliverance. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So Paul says, I'm giving it all up so I can partner in his suffering. He did that suffering so that he could get the curse off of us and get the blessing on us. Paul says, count me in. Count me in. He said, I'll throw anything. I'll consider anything inferior. I'll get rid of it. If it, I just got to know him personally. And I got to know the power of his resurrection so that I can be there for the divine exchange and have that curse removed off of me and the blessing come on me that my mess becomes a message. Hallelujah. And then finally, Paul says, I, I do this so that I give it all up so that I can go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on this resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. What Paul was saying there in the latter verse, he says, basically, I am in this till death. And because I'm in it till death, death for me is but life. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That, I, that even though I take a last breath in this body on the earth side, I take my first breath in the very presence of my God. He says, I'm in this for the long haul. I pray today that you would make a commitment to Jesus Christ that was not contingent on this or contingent on that, that you would say, I'm in, I'm in. You can count me in, Jesus. You gave your all for me. I'm giving my all for you. Just like the marriage is a picture of the type of Christ's relationship with the church, when we get married and God takes that man and that woman and He brings them together and they say, we're committed until death, until we be separated by death. Well, the good news is when we are in this relationship with God, 
Even death doesn't separate us because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But there's a covenant there, a covenant, covenant, covenant of commitment to where we're in this thing. If we have a if we have a day we don't understand the full picture of our marriage, we're still married. If we have a time where emotions not feeling the same as it did on that wedding day, well, we're still in it. There's no talk of divorce. We're in a covenant until death separates us. That's what Paul was saying. He said, I'm in this thing until the end, until I take my last breath. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ until I take my last breath I'm going to live my life I'm going to forgive those who have hurt me I'm going to release those who have put things on me I'm going to live a life that honors and glorifies God I'm in it for the long haul I pray today in this 2019 there would be people that would have that commitment level that I'm going to serve Jesus Christ no matter what I'm going to serve Jesus Christ as the old timers would say come hell or high water I'm not turning back I'm not turning over and I'm I'm not turning in. I love him. He loves me. It's settled. I'm going to live for him and I'm going to give up anything and everything he wants me to give up so that I can take on everything he wants me to take on and live this blessed life. Hallelujah. Paul said, I want to to know these four things and I'm willing to make the sacrifice to do it. To know him personally. Do you know him personally? Do you know him personally? so that I can experience His resurrection power. It breaks my heart to see people not be able to experience the resurrection power of Jesus because they're unwilling to know Him personally. They're unwilling to surrender their lives to His Lordship. It breaks my heart because I know the mess I was in. I know the pain that I lived in. I know the poverty that I experienced. I know the fear that I lived under. I know that pain. But I found the resurrection power of God turned it all around. And now greater is he who lives in me than he who is in the world. And I don't live in fear of the devil. The devil lives in fear of me because of Christ in me, my hope of glory. But it only came when I surrendered 100% to Jesus Christ. Is there anything standing between you and him today? Is there any person, is there any memory that you're holding on to with a negative mindset? Are there any negative words? Is there anything? When you can see the power of the resurrection is available to you, it will turn your mess into a message. It's right here. But you've got to know him personally. It's something standing between you and Jesus. I would beg you today, as the Apostle Paul says, it's so important, get rid of it. Count it as lost. Dog, dog, dung. It's not worth it. It's not when comparatively it's smelly and you think it's everything, but he says it's everything that's keeping you from the power of the resurrection and the partner for the divine exchange. The divine exchange is yours. He wants to take the curse off of you. So they didn't get the blessing on you. That's what he wants. That's that abundant life. But you got to know him personally. Is he your Lord and Savior? You say, well, he's my Savior. I want him to save me. Yeah, he's my life raft. He's my John Boat. He's whatever. You to get me out of this thing. No, he's got to be your Lord in order to be your Savior. And Lord means... 
which means now I want to do what you want me to do, Jesus. It doesn't matter what I thought. It doesn't matter what my culture was. It doesn't matter what the trend of society is today. If it doesn't line up with your teaching, then I, I don't want it. I want you. I want you. So many people said to serve God, oh, it's a life of sacrifice and misery. They're a liar. Through this intimate relationship, personal relationship with Jesus comes the, the, the resource of the resurrection power comes the divine transfer so you can have an abundant life. God's not wanting to put burden on you. He's wanting to take burden off of you. He's not wanting to put sadness on you. No, He wants to put you full of joy. Unspeakable. You can't even speak it. He's so joyful and full of glory. But we still have to do it God's way. we got to know Him personally. Because is anything that's keeping me from embracing him or him embracing me has got to go. He doesn't embrace sin. He doesn't embrace ungodliness. And the good thing is he gives us a mind that we can repent. We can repent. Isn't that awesome? We can change our mind and say, God, I've been doing it my way, but I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn from what I was doing. Like Paul, Saul turned from what he was doing. Now Paul God wanted him to do. If you can identify anything that may be hindering your intimate relationship with the Lord, which is keeping you from the resurrection power and the divine exchange and all the benefits that come, I beg you on this resurrection Sunday that you would cast it down. You would reject it. You would resist the devil because it's nothing more than a plot, plot ploy of the devil to keep you bound that you would come forth in victory. Would you stand with me, please? As we bow our heads and we go to the Lord in preparation to come around the Lord's table, take of the bread and the blood of the grape, fruit of the vine, let us first examine ourselves and see if there's anything, any mindset, see if there's anything in our heart there's anything in our life stand between us and God now let us cast it down as an idol right now let us cast it down as that which is hindering let us cast it down as, as ungodly let's cast it down no condemnation just cast it down and say as the Apostle Paul says I'm willing to give it all up so I can embrace you Jesus and be embraced by you that I might know you personally and experience your resurrection power and the divine exchange that you purchased for me and the benefits of all that I have in living for you all the days of my life so that my mess gets turned into a message through your turnaround miracle in my life. Anybody need a turnaround miracle? Right? Don't you just lift your hand to me. Just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I need a turnaround. I need a turnaround. Anybody? And I, I recognize there's some things that I need to cast down. And I'm getting rid of them right now. I'm pulling them down right now. Do I need your prayer, Pastor, because I know there's spiritual warfare going on. I see those hands. I see those hands. Are there others? Yes, I see those hands. I'm not going out of here the same way I came in. 
I'm going out of here to experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going out of here to experience the divine exchange. Yes, I see those hands. Yes, I see those hands. Yes. Yes, I see that. Yes. Lord God, you see each and every one of their hands raised right now. I pray for a supernatural burst, a supernatural boost, a supernatural a surge of your anointing with those hands that are raised right now, Lord God. Lord God, you see them reaching up to you because they know you're the answer. They know you're the answer. I just pray, Holy Spirit, you'd move into their situation right now. You'd move it. See the, yes, Lord, I see that hand. Yes, I see that. Lord, move into that situation. Move, move into that household right now. Move into that home. Move right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And whatever it is the Lord showed you that may need to come down, just say, I, I cast it down right now. I give up on it right now. It may not even be a bad thing. Paul had credentials that weren't necessarily a bad thing, but if they were causing pride where he was going to lean on that to be his strength, then he cast that down. He said, no, it's going to be Christ. It's going to be Jesus. Jesus is number one. Jesus is number one. Would you call upon his name now? The Bible says everyone who would call on the name of Jesus shall be saved. The Bible says his name shall be called Jesus, for he comes to save all of mankind. Call on his name, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I want you to be first. Jesus, I want you to be King of kings and Lord of lords. I surrender all. Would you tell him that right now? Jesus, I surrender all. I changed my mind. I repent. I, I repent. I need your forgiveness. Anybody need the Lord's forgiveness? Say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Oh, I call upon you tonight, today, Lord God, that you would just move in my life. And I surrender to your Lordship. Make sure, you, make sure you're serious here. Jesus, I surrender to your Lordship. You are now the Lord of my life. I'm going to live my life for you. And I just tell him this. I want to I thank you in advance. Go ahead and tell him this. Jesus, I want to thank you in advance. You're going to take my mess and you're going to turn it into a message. I want to thank you in advance. You're going to take the mess and you're going to make an amazing message out of it. To you be the glory, to you be the honor, and to you be the praise. Amen?